God, he's here to save us from our sins! I'm six months old, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what's coming, but I hate it. Maybe we should start doing vocal warm-ups before this podcast. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's never done the right thing a day in its life. I'm Kelly Anik. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Did you really think I came virginal to the nuptial bower? Uh, that's your business? Yeah, that's true. It's kind of private, really. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> think we need to get into that here. No, no, not at all. I don't think anybody's even interested. Yeah, in our nuptial bower no. at all, no. It was kind of a boring nuptial bower. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, cousins. Hi. Welcome back. Yes. For yet another installment Titanic. <laughs> BS. Indeed. <sighs> We're getting a little tired of the BS, cousin. We, we are. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, it's a little bit long. It is. 12 episodes is maybe more episodes than they had story for. Yeah. But uh, we'll deal with all of that after we discuss our new countries. Uh, that's right. Uh, we have two new countries to report this week. They are Ghana and Luxembourg. Two very different countries. That is correct. Yes. Uh, but it's it's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. It's neat that we keep gaining more countries. Yeah. I feel like that is kind of a boring thing to say. But I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things that we love, let's get into telegrams from our cousin, shall we? All right. First, we have a telegram from Cousin Chris. Good morrow, cousins. I thought I would be obnoxious and hot punch your rivet holes with a few more titanicisms. <laughs> you had questioned the building of white starships in England on the last podcast since it was an American company. The reason behind this was that although J.P. Morgan owned the White Star Line, this had only transpired within the last decade. Since the White Star Line's inception in the mid-1800s, all of its ships were either built at Harlan and Wolf for the White Star Line or were built for other lines and then purchased by the White Star Line. There are some more stupid-ass inaccuracies, but we will save those for later episodes. <laughs> On a side note, one thing that irritates me is how they always portray the White Star Line ships to be so poorly built. Yes, they should have had higher bulkheads. Yes, they should have had more lifeboats. But these ships were extraordinarily well-built. The corners that were cut do not compare to what occurs now in modern shipbuilding. I am going on a cruise this December, but I would wager that had my ship had the same damage inflicted on it as Titanic did, it would sink as well. In addition, Titanic sank, snapped in half, free fell through open water for two and a half miles, slammed into the sea bottom going over 30 miles an hour, and is still recognizable today 100 years later. The men of Belfast did the best job that was humanly possible putting together this ship, and I do not think they get the credit they deserve, and instead often are portrayed as having done a shabby job. Back to the Neuroscope, Cousin Chris. Well, that is very good to know about the White Star Line. Yes. That does clear up. It, it does indeed. Our question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's an excellent point. And uh, potentially what Titanic Blood and Steel was intending to show. Right. Is how well built, in fact, this ship was and how much care went into it. Yeah. Except. Uh, except that, you know, there's like steel babies lying around and home rule and all this crap distracting well, from that story. And because it's set up Muir as the, you know, Cassandra of Titanic, mm -hmm. it becomes all about its shortcomings, not about anything that mm -hmm. was being done right. Um, so I would. So I guess then, Cousin Chris, I'm imagining then that you would put the main blame on Captain Smith, which I think is a, a reasonably common point of view because he was just ignoring the iceberg risk and, and going much too fast. Mm 
Uh, you make a good point. Uh, that that Italian cruise ship that sank a year or two ago. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, true. it doesn't, you know, I don't know the details, but it seems like the, you know, damage it sustained was not as severe as, as what Titanic did. Uh-huh. And it, it certainly sank. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty quickly, too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's all something to consider if you're planning to travel by sea. <laughs> yes. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Phoenix, who writes, Dear Kelly and Tom, I nearly died, and I do mean that literally, from laughing at the recent episode, Steel Victims Unit. I was walking home from work, and you sang your rendition of Smooth Criminal by the late Michael Jackson. I was crossing the street at a very busy four-way stoplight, and the driver wasn't paying attention, and I was laughing so hard, he came within inches of smashing me flatter than dead old Matthew Crawley. I crossed the street fine, and I was not hurt, but it was a close call. Anyway, I'm fine, but I just thought I'd share my close call with you both. By the way, this isn't the first time I've almost been hit. It's the intersection that's a great place for an accident. Can't wait for the next Titanic BS episode, even though I haven't watched the show. Doubt I will. Ever faithful, even if run over, Dame Phoenix. Uh, so we wanted to share this telegram <laughs> just as a public service announcement that's to right. cousins that no matter how hard you're laughing <laughs> from our universally acknowledged hilarity, <laughs> please do try to be aware of your surroundings. Right. Heads up. Uh, however, I do like the phrase smashing me flatter than dead old <laughs> and I think I shall be employing it in my daily uh, verbal intercourse. <laughs> Excellent. Next, we have a lengthy telegram from Cousin Allison. So, I hope this is funny to you. It's funny to me because I've been home from work for several months now with my two-and-a-half-year-old and my new baby, and nothing else to amuse me but yours and many other fine podcasts. You've heard about my two-and-a-half-year-old before. He's the second kid who learned to shout, Shank Bates, from you. (laughs) Undeterred by this, I continue to listen to your podcast in his presence because it's still one of my cleaner alternatives. He mostly ignores them, though occasionally he looks up at the computer and says, Mommy is playing podcasts again. (laughs) Today, your latest episode was winding down, and the theme of Titanic Blood and Steel started to play. I should point out that I have never actually seen this series, but continued listening because I love you guys. (laughs) Young James, what's that? Me. That's just the closing theme music. Young James, Jamie loves the closed theme music. Me. Um, okay. (laughs) Fast forward ten minutes. Young James. Want clothes music? This is not unusual. He loves all sorts of weird things. He just went through a Peter, Paul, and Mary kick in which he accepted, if I had a hammer, and rejected, where have all the flowers gone? I had already erased your latest podcast from my iTunes feed. What approximate equivalence could be on my hard drive? I threw on the soundtrack of Henry V, starring Kenneth Branagh when he was thin and almost sexy. Way superior film music. He'll accept it. No, not this music. Clothes music. Throw on the soundtrack to Amistad. A lesser John Williams, but it'll do. I mean, it's John Williams. Any appreciation of film music must begin and end with Williams, right? Jamie wants clothes music. Really? Scan soundtracks again. Where do these soundtracks come from? Seriously. Why do I have the original motion picture soundtrack to The Mask of Zorro starring Antonio Banderas? <laughs> Everything I tried, he rejected. Finally, I turned to YouTube in desperation. Sure enough, someone has taken the time to upload the opening credits to Titanic Blood and Steel. I repeat, someone has taken the time to upload the opening credits to Titanic Blood and Steel. Young James, watching the opening credits in awe. Yes! Close music! <laughs> At first, it's worth it. I see Mir's face for the first time. He does have kind of cute eyes. I get what y'all are saying now. I get to see Derek Jacoby. That's good. 
That's good. Cool. Thanks, kid. I think we're done. Jamie want clothes music again? <laughs> Thanks, Kelly and Tom. I've now heard the title sequence to Titanic, Flood, and Steel approximately 70,000 times. <laughs> Love your podcast. Love you both. I bet you are totally the cool aunt and uncle if you indeed have any nerd nieces or nerd nephews. Fondly, Cousin Allison. <laughs> Uh, I do want to point out that for some reason that last bit from uh, Young James, uh, I read that just like a Dalek. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you did, come to think of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, uh, we're sorry. We are. But, you know. I mean, I've also heard that theme song quite a bit in my time, and it it does (laughs) grow wearisome, but... Uh, you know, the thing that I am confident about is that a two and a half year old will probably move on relatively quickly. One would hope. Keep us posted. (laughs) Yes. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Leslie, who writes, Dear Kelly and Tom, I send you my first telegram on the occasion of having watched every awful minute of Fellows' Titanic so I could enjoy your awesome recaps. Two points of information with regard to the 89 plus piece cast of characters. One. The poor ginger girl left to drown with her dad was named Teresa. I laughed when you made fun of Downton's Who Will Marry Mary, and I laughed again when you said James Cameron needs a book of baby names, mocking his Titanic character's stereotypical names. Where's the skill of Charles Dickens when you need it? Lame. 2. Steward Hart was played by the unmistakable Ralph Innocent, known as Chris Finchy Finch in The Office, and I thought that deserved a mention. I'm also compelled to share that I think Jessica Brown Findlay was wearing a wig from the time Sybil reappeared at Downton after her marriage until her death. It looked hideous, whether styled for dinner or death by childbirth. Could they not have come up with a better wig for her? Otherwise, Fellows lets us assume that defecting to Ireland implies some kind of bad hair voodoo. Finally, I have a theory for Rose Dawson's survival strategy in New York City. Since Cameron kicked things off with the horrible slave ship analogy, why not imagine there was an underground railroad for runaway first-class brides who needed to exit society? I bet Chinatown had lots of hideaways for folks wanting to reverse the debutante process. Just go with it. Sincerely yours, Cousin Leslie. P.S. A Google image search of Laura Carmichael shows that she's very easy on the eyes. Not as breathtaking as Michelle Dockery, but still. Fellows uglied her up big time for Lady Edith. Aw, remember Downton Abbey? Yeah. Remember when we were talking about Downton Abbey and not steel babies all the time? <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Well, it's rolling around again soon. The PR yeah. train has already started to ramp up. Indeed it has. Uh, Publicity stills. Yeah, so this is another good time. Cousins, we're going to wait and podcast during the American broadcast again. Right. At least in part because that means usually we can have the DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, you know, try and avoid spoilers. If Yeah. We're going to do our best, but, you know, yeah. there's only so much we can do. Right. We do live in the information age. Exactly. But uh, we've appreciated your restraint in the past. Yes. And are looking forward to sharing with you in the future. Mm-hmm. Also, I've never seen the British office. Did you know that? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did know that. I haven't either. I know. And so It's sort of odd because... We love British things, and yeah. we liked the first two seasons of The Office, right? And which is all there is, right, in Britain. So it is uh, just strange, but somehow it just is. Somehow we've not managed to uh, to do that. Yes, and Sybil's hair was awful, and I believe Fellows does believe that going to Ireland makes you. Uglier. I was going to say, I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. Uh, secondly, 
I really like the idea of uh, Rose kind of, you know, making her fortune in Chinatown. Yeah. You know, I feel like she would have been like a really good like lady boxer. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I don't know why I think they had lady boxing matches in Chinatown in 1912. I think I, I like think, that image. I think lady boxing matches are a timeless. <laughs> <laughs> and our final telegram comes from cousin Anna. Dear cousins, thank you for a wonderful show. I still listen even though Mr. Selfridge nor Titanic Blood and Steel is available where I live. I just like to be told the stories. I'm also proud to be the provider of the Greenland download since I was home on vacation in my homeland Greenland since I now live and study in Denmark and thus providing two countries on your list. To Tom, I have to say that Greenland is still considered a country, even though it is an autonomous part of Denmark, and as late as 2009, the Home Rule Law was changed into self-governing, so the country was no longer considered a Danish county. I found your podcast on baldmove.com, which I found when the Because Show moved there. Keep on the good work, and if you can find it, the Norwegian miniseries Harry and Charles, I think you will find it interesting. It's about the Danish Prince Karl that was elected King of Norway in 1905 and shows the workings of the old Danish court. Lots of love from the colonies, Cousin Anna. Well, thank you, Cousin Anna, yes. and for providing not one, but two countries, <laughs> as well as suggesting an Edwardian show that is not set anywhere in America or in uh, Britain. Mm -hmm. We are awarding you Cousin of the Week. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, and uh, thanks for the update on Greenland. My geographic knowledge does tend to be a bit out of date. Um, but I always enjoy, there's, you know, a lot of places in the world that are in this sort of gray area between country and non-country, and I'm always interested to hear about, uh, them, basically. I, I just, I always like getting on Wikipedia and reading about, you know, North Ossetia, or, you know, Abkhazia, you know, all these Central Caucasus areas, or, you know, Greenland, or all, a lot of other similar situations. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in on it. I'm just feverishly reading a Wikipedia <laughs> entry on some random place. It's really true. <laughs> uh, speaking of countries that exist in gray areas between self-governance and not, <laughs> let us return to Belfast for Ooh. Titanic BS, Episode 7, The Truth Shall Set You Free. Yes, that is the title of this episode, despite the fact that the truth does not set anybody free at any point in this series thus no. far, as far as we can tell. As far as we can tell, the truth is a prison of everyone's own design. Yeah, the truth just seems to ruin people's lives. Particularly in this episode. Right, yeah. Like, I can't think of almost anyone in this episode who was not touched by some horrible truth. Except right. perhaps for Nev Campbell, <laughs> who, well, besides she... failing to learn the difference between a ship and a boat, <laughs> is just terrifying. She's Well, and she's just not touched by anything. She she just, you know, goes, proceeds through this show in, like, this bubble of her own... She's like the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> no, I mean, she just is not... She literally has nothing going on behind her. Like, yes. she seems like she has some kind of life or agenda but it has nothing to do with the mortal plane yes and she is costumed with community theater ghost of christmas past <laughs> she costumes. really is so we aren't giving them out for this show but if we were she would definitely be winning every episode the fashion backwards award for backwards fashion right I the backy yes in every episode in which she deigned to appear what you know, and we shouldn't be so dismissive because, for God's sake, Chris Noth's mustache finally shows up again. Yes, indeed. You know, this episode isn't horrible except for all the times when it's horrible. <laughs> right. Uh, in case you haven't noticed from our disdain 
or from before when we said we were getting tired of it. <laughs> we're getting really tired of this show. We are. And and we were discussing, I mean, the, the issue is that every storyline covers all 12 episodes as far as we can tell, basically. You know, I mean, some of them, you know, take long hiatuses, such as, you know, J.P. Morgan disappearing forever. But, like, there's no... Like one episode, little mini plot lines, or one or two episodes. Well, mini the plot closest lines. you have was, uh, you know, Davo Seaworth being there. Well, right. But I mean, that storyline didn't exactly end when he left. Right. I mean, the parts of it that were interesting did. Despite yeah. how much I like Michael McCann. Right. And even Anna Gunn's kind of grown on me as her nihilistic streak continues to expand. Yeah, that's that's the thing is we like a lot of the characters both. Like, just the characters and the portrayals thereof. You know, there's there's these things that we like in the show, and yet somehow... We just can't connect with it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you should know, we're considering just blazing through the rest of it in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of doing a five-episode, one-shot dealio wrap-up. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Right. It is very hard to cope with this. <laughs> it is. Uh, even on a bi-weekly basis. Right. So, uh, yeah. But so we're just... talking about potentially maybe doing a, a little book club action and, and reading Maurice by Ian Forrester. Right. Uh, watching some films. Listen, we're going to make maybe this we'll up to you, Maybe we'll find this Norwegian thing. That yeah, this Norwegian be... thing sounded great. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll go back through our files. Right. Uh, for real this time. Not like <laughs> yeah. all the times we were like, we're going to do that. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, but man, Titanic BS has really opened our eyes to how horrible things can be. <laughs> yes. <gasps> but, you know, again, well, and that's the thing. Like, it's not as uniformly horrible as the Titanic miniseries was. There's just so much it's more just, of it. Yeah, it's just so much longer. Yeah. yeah. And, and it does kill me because there is a really good six-episode miniseries here. Indeed, exactly. Because, I, I mean, this is a miniseries. Right. I don't know why they had to make it a maxi series. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just not enough story yeah. for the amount of time we've been given. Indeed. So. So, let us set you free with our truth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, we start off with Mark slash Marcus lying in bed, taking a swig from a bottle. This is the moment in which we should point out uh, to him that alcoholism is genetic. He yeah, really, it is. He should really watch himself there. Uh, Sophia is in the room with him. How did she get there? Does it matter? Nope. We have no idea. Because, again, look. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how they do things in Belfast. And I know that people have been banging each other since time immemorial. Right. But, like, where is this place that he's staying that allows, you know, unaccompanied female guests? Uh, like, it's the Stars Network. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I do feel like there's a lot of unsupervised banging going on. There is. I mean, again, I don't doubt that all of these people would figure it out. It just seems like they're flaunting it. Right. In a way that wouldn't have been acceptable, even if he wasn't a, you know, Catholic, Protestant, imposter person. Though, to be fair, we do see several instances in this episode of unauthorized bangings, negative consequences, which we will get to. This is true. Okay, yes, but we'll get to yeah. that later. But anyway, so she's there for some reason. Right. She somehow got there, and she's there to, you know, bitch him out for uh, living a lie and then this whole, you know, steel baby thing mm-hmm. that she overheard. 
Yeah, and like he does not really appear to be that repentant. He yeah. doesn't get up off of the bed no, he's or stays, stop she's holding the there, bottle. And he's just lying in bed. Like and he's some, just like, like yeah. hedonism bot. Like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm really sorry that you found out that I'm a liar. Right. Um I I did like her phrasing because she's like, you know, what about, you know, that girl? They said she died and you left her. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, no. She, uh, he left her and then she died, which is actually much worse. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to, though, again, commend Alessandra... Mastroini? Mastroini? We don't know how to pronounce it. Minestrone. But... <laughs> uh, her accent work is really incredible. Yeah. you can hear the Irish lilt. Yeah. And the Italian accent. It's incredible. Yes. It's agreed. absolutely incredible. Well, because apparently she's grown up in Belfast, yeah. which which I didn't really I mean, I guess I didn't know either way, but because she says to Muir that they could have been yeah. neighbors. But and you know, it's also interesting though, because it makes sense then why she's so entrenched in the local politics. Right, right. Um, I think if she had been a transplant later in her life, she probably wouldn't be so involved in the community. Right. Well, and it also, I guess then that Andrea must be a much more recent. I think he is because he knew all about the strike in Milan or whatever. Yeah, and well, and the implication was that his father is paying uh, right, right, Pietro to to apprentice him. Right. Um, Speaking of which, where is that Andrea? Right. Shouldn't he be around pestering people? Yeah. Trying to kiss them. Like, shouldn't he be like grabbing at Sophia's sleeve all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would. See the day oh, right. that I missed sad Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, Muir is bizarrely unrepentant. He, when he says, he says about uh, that, he says, I wanted to tell you. And Sophia just rolls her eyes. Which is basically that gif is our reaction <laughs> to this entire series at yes. this point. Yeah. But he says, you know, he could never have come back as Marcus Malone. I do – it. Has he been going to mass? Like, has he been? We saw him, like, show up one for the time. last five minutes of one. Uh, I'm going to say no. Right. Like, how suspicious would that be? I don't know, man. Yeah, it's hard to say. Clearly, Titanic Blood and Steel does not care. Right. But Despite it is Despite just... the fact that during Catholic mass, the wine is transubstantiated into the blood of Christ. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just like how... <laughs> in, in Mir's church, the bread is transmuted into steel. <laughs> Saint Mirror of the Holy Steel Cross. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. He well, it's just, just like a cultural Catholic to me at this right. point. Well, and that's what's kind of interesting to me is the fact that the way that religion and you know is is more of an ethnicity mm-hmm. thing than an actual you know. I mean, does Sophia thing. go to mass? Yeah, it's a good question. We've never seen any of the McCanns show up for mass. No. And we know they're Catholics. Yeah. But, I mean, especially if they've gotten into socialism, they might have, you know, really, like, mm-hmm. you know, renounced. Opiate of the masses and whatnot. Indeed. Speaking of the McCanns, the, <laughs> the, the Irish Boy Scouts are headed down. Uh, they find some <laughs> barn. Uh, they make some kind of lantern signal, and they find this barn where they hide their stash of guns. And then there's this lingering shot of Connor's face for no particular reason. Because nobody cares about Connor. Right. Nor did anything, nor was anything revealed or changed in this scene. Did they kill that German? Did they pay him? What happened to that German, yo? Yeah. Where's his story? Yeah. 
I mean, you're telling everybody else's goddamn story. <laughs> Are you that German guy? <laughs> Did you receive payment for those munitions? If so, we want to hear your story. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere a German is like, Nein! <laughs> <laughs> He's been, on I mean, the, he's been on the run for over a hundred years. Yeah, he's not say, telling us where he is now. I just don't think he has that much vocal strength left at this point. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> he died immediately after. <laughs> Our podcast killed him. Oh, we, we apologize to his family. <laughs> Speak for yourself, dickhead. Yeah, he had a good run. <laughs> You don't know that for sure. <laughs> this has gotten out of control. What's going on on Titanic BS? Well, back at the Good McCann's, um, they're having breakfast. Anna Gunn is going to head out for uh, what is yet another job interview. Uh, Michael tries to be encouraging, saying that the place she's going has hired Catholics. And she says, yes, but probably not ones that were fired from their last job. With no references. Right. Well, which is kind of what happens when you throw ink in your supervisor's face, yes. I think. Uh, Michael, however, regrets nothing and says that he had it coming and wants to take a crowbar to him, which... I'm, I'm yeah, down with that plan, we, frankly. We endorse it. I hate that dude. Yes. Uh, Anna Gunn does not, however. She says we have to remember what we learned from Walter, fight with our heads, not with our fists or whatever. I don't see this ending well. I'm going to call it... Like, come on. Like, as long as Walter was around, they'd be fine. But what we've learned about the McCanns (laughs) as a whole, bad impulse control. That that does seem to be true. Uh, But nonetheless, Anna Gunn thinks that Michael should stand for Parliament. He's taken aback at first, but, you know, he is a successful labor leader, and there is this whole labor party, Mm -hmm. and uh, he he seems like maybe he's a good choice. And if he doesn't, just going to be some other monkey's uncle. (laughs) That is true. That was Labor Party policy. <laughs> Do you have any nephews who are monkeys? <laughs> You're in. Uh, yeah, I I don't think a that they let gingers into Parliament, <clears throat> and b I feel like Anna Gunn's gonna die. Like well, you- <laughs> she just seems like she wants to fucking die. Bro. No, she is intense. She. I'm surprised by how much I am enjoying her, and maybe mm-hmm. I have been, you know, overly influenced by the recent actions of the real Anna Gunn. Uh, right. Uh, both in her performance as Skylar White on Breaking Bad, and also her recent editorial in the New York Times. Yes. But just, I don't know. Like, Anna Gunn has found herself in a position to really kind of put her money where her mouth is, or I guess her lack of money where her mouth is. Well, yeah, but she's... I mean, she's she's very serious. I mean... It's just interesting because, you know, she could have taken Walter's death as an impetus to distance herself from the labor movement. But, you know, mm-hmm. she she has instead been galvanized, yeah. which is always the risk you take when you create a martyr, mm-hmm. British Army. Yep. Also, uh, Michael's eligible. You've forgotten the Ginger Suffrage Act that was passed in 1867. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. I forgot that episode of Tom Repeats History. <laughs> Or should I say Tom repeats ginger history? <laughs> it's cool, though, because he's still a super attractive ginger. He is. Yeah. That, that's also a loophole. Mm-hmm. At Harlan and Wolf, guess who's back? <gasps> it's Simple Jack. Simple Jack! And Simple the- Jack attack! <laughs> yes. 
and the whole gang. Which is just him walking at a normal pace toward you, very slowly windmilling his arms. <laughs> Surprisingly effective. Rivet in his teeth. <laughs> Not sure what to do with it. <laughs> Oh, I missed Simple Jack. Yes. He is back because the Olympic has been fixed. Uh, and also that guy that got injured has apparently pulled a Matthew Crawley and made a miraculous recovery. Uh, you know, don't worry. I'm sure he's going to get hit by a car as soon as he impregnates whoever he's supposed to impregnate <laughs> to ensure the line of succession. <laughs> <gasps> Probably true. Yeah, so the, they're all ribbing him jocularly. Yes. Like, oh, it's time to get back to work after all your time lazing about. And I'm like, oh, the gallows humor of the working class. Mm-hmm. This is going to end well for everyone. <laughs> it always does for the working class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard about the working class, but everything turns <laughs> out great for them. <laughs> Andrews is tearing a meeting of the board and trying to... Uh, slap down their tomfoolery about Mark Muir. About Mark Muir. They're all making fun of him, and he will have none of it. Uh, but he He's reveals... Like, you guys! It's supposed to be about the steel! <laughs> Indeed. He's gotten a little mured up. Yeah. Ever since they fired Muir. Yeah. Well, he's been he's been you know warming on Muir this whole time, and mm-hmm. they're 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 definitely on the same team by now. Uh, but... Wink. <laughs> yes. Getting their Thomas on, huh? <laughs> I, I didn't I'm say. shipping Muir and Andrews at this point. Andrews. <laughs> yeah, Muir is a hard name to fit into shipping names. Well, he has two names. We could call it Melandrews. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. So, Melandrews forever. <laughs> uh, but the main thing is that, guess what? J.P. Morgan is coming. Oh, shit. Yes. Somebody ready the mustache wax. <laughs> Oh, it's been on ice for years. We cheered, by the way. We, we did. When we heard that he was coming, we were like, thank God, he's here to save us from our sins. <laughs> yes, we're neither Catholic nor Protestant. <laughs> we're Morganites. <laughs> he had that attractive French uh, mistress. Yeah. You know, he had to have been doing something right. <laughs> then, in yet another welcome return, Creepy Solicitor is back. Oh! I love that guy. <laughs> Who uh, He's probably got the dark mark. <laughs> he probably does. He really, really ought to be a mortician, but he he found his. Maybe he, he flunked out of uh, mortuary school. Yeah, and yet law school was a breeze for him somehow. Well, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe he's squeamish. Yeah, could be. You can be creepy without being able to handle all those fluids and whatnot. That's true. I watched Six Feet Under. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Well, you hate flashbacks and dream sequences, <laughs> that's, so that's, that would really be a fool's errand for yeah, you. Yeah, it, it would have been. Uh, in any case, Creepy Solicitor cannot help Muir find his baby because Muir has no legal right to find his baby. And Muir's like, I don't care about technicalities. And the solicitor's like, then don't go to a solicitor. That is our entire yeah. job is technicalities. That's all we do. So then Muir is like, I'll go find my baby all by myself. And then I have this horrible sinking feeling that that's the last time we'll ever see the creepy solicitor. It really does and seem I that way. Already. I know. Well, maybe maybe when he does find Princess Steele, her, <laughs> her adoptive parents will hire that solicitor <gasps> to get Mark Muir out of her out of their life. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, he's only going to upset her. Mm-hmm. Like ah. I hate it when shows like this try to, like, 
I don't know. It's not even. It's trying to inflict a modern sensibility on this situation. Well, because even today, like in a closed adoption, like if it's a closed adoption, you really ought to leave well enough alone. Yeah, and uh, I just not, think, I understand that he didn't like have anything to do with this, and he right. had no say in it. Yeah, you it's know, un, I'm you sure know, it that is the men's unfair. rights activists are like firing up their emails. Right, but it it's is. Like, come on, bro. Like she doesn't like. There's no therapists. Yeah. At this point. Well, and it's just this idea that... that Given the family this, disposition towards alcoholism, 10 is too early to start drinking. <laughs> it is. And it's just this this dismissiveness of adoptive parents uh-huh. that they can't have a real... You know, that they can't be real parents. That yeah. they're second class. And that's just not fair to all the... Adoptive, adoptive parents. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, Princess Steele. We hope your stupid shitheel father never finds you. Yes. And then he just keeps banging Italian ladies and disappointing everyone he comes into contact with. Yes. And that you're Protestant because that would show him. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be everything that he wasn't. Although I doubt she is because if she was placed for adoption by the Catholic Church. You would have to think, yes. Unless it was like some sort of like, you know, undercover spy (laughs) operation and they're like, we're going to place you. You wee bairn with this Protestant family. And then when you're 15 years old, we'll tell you your destiny. <laughs> the baby's like, I'm six months old. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> she just pukes on them. <laughs> we take it by your vomiting that you've agreed to this plan. It's the Catholic way. For those of you who aren't Catholic, now you know every time that we make a deal or a contract, we have to vomit. Otherwise, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Note. People no. are like, what would Jesus do? I don't know. Seal an agreement with a vomit? <laughs> Some of this information may not be accurate. <laughs> Just Listen, Tom, I'm trying to help people understand Catholics. Any of you out there who may be writing a term paper? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Put it in there and see if your professor is really paying attention. <laughs> they, they probably are. Nope. Uh, they're probably just plugging it into one of those plagiarism websites, and if it doesn't pass, they're like, ah, it's probably a B. <laughs> so andrews is showing Derek jacoby some new amenities he's got planned for titanic which he approves of but he is busy brooding about politics nobody broods quite like Derek jacoby it's true uh but he wants to throw himself behind the liberal cause uh, which will, of course, be controversial, as most of his peers are not at all liberal. See, narratively, this feels to me like it comes out of left field, despite the fact that they've been like building him up as this like liberal party sympathizer. Mm-hmm. Like all of this stuff about who's running for office, it just is taking too long to get there. Yeah. Like, oh, great! Like we like how many episodes was it ago that we learned that Hatton was going to run? It was at least two episodes ago. Was it? I think so. Look, we skipped an episode. It's, we don't know what's yeah, going we're all, on. we're all disoriented. Uh, look, it's been a while since that happened. Okay. We don't even know who the liberal candidate is. That's right. presumably going to be a whole other three episodes. <laughs> Could be fucking J.P. Morgan's mustache for all I know. <laughs> and, you know, and then there's... He's got my vote. <laughs> there's Michael McCann and, like, all right. these things. And it could just go so much more quickly. I agree. I know. But, uh, you know... Andrews is is reprimanding Derek Jacoby and saying, you know, you need to be the the person bringing this steel yard together. Mm-hmm. And if you get all, you know, 
political. It's going to be divisive for the labor force. And then Derek Jacoby is like, well, I'll always have you here to reel me in. And then it's like, uh, yeah, unless I die on the Titanic. <laughs> Not like that would ever happen. Yeah. Also, he's trying to reel you in right now. Yeah. Like, and you're not listening. <laughs> right. This is when it's, yeah. Anyway. Like, shut up. Let Lady Skunkhead do all the heavy political lifting. She's doing a great job. <laughs> she is. Uh, Mir knocks on his dad's door, but he's not there. Which I thought, dead dad. I know. Dad's dead. I thought so, too. Don't no. tell dad the the steel dad is dead. I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't tell dad the steel dad is dead. That sounds like a vocal warm-up. <laughs> it does. For an acting class. Yeah. No, that's good. It's the... How much steel could a steel baby steal if a steel baby could steal steel? <laughs> I like it. Thanks. Maybe we should start doing vocal warm-ups before this podcast. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. It's too late now. In any case... Drunk Dad is not dead. He is at John Kelly's, which the sign describes as John Kelly Bar and Grocery, which is a great idea. <laughs> Why are there not bars and groceries anymore? You know what? Actually, I've heard that the Whole Foods in Manhattan uh, has a bar. Oh, awesome. Several bars, in fact. I just love it because you'd be like, man, these tomatoes are shit. <laughs> You could do that. <laughs> I would like to think that I would not be so disparaging at the place where they are pouring my drinks. <laughs> I'm like, your produce is so good. No, that's right. I mean, you would think it would like increase sales. Like, God, I want some fucking carrots, man. They're so orange. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, cousins. <laughs> There's an idea for you entrepreneurs <laughs> out there in the audience. Get to it. Yeah. In any case, at this bar and grocery, they're uh, only using the bar half. Um, surprise, surprise. surprise. Well, yeah. neither of them lives a place where there's a kitchen. <laughs> That's true. When's the last time either of them had a meal? It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, in any case, Mir is sad because Princess Steel is lost forever, and his dad is like... Am I the only one you have to drown your sorrows with? And we're just like, no. And we're like, really? Do you have other friends? Because, like, Sophia doesn't seem like she drinks. Right. And I don't think you've spoken to anybody else recently. <laughs> Not that we can like, tell. Like, you've got your coworkers, and they don't want to hang out with your filthy Catholic paws. Right. Like, Andrea has friends. Yeah. And he's Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the sad panda. <laughs> Titanic BS, and even he has people who will tolerate his presence. Pietro loves that dude. <laughs> Indeed. He'll get drunk with him anytime. Yeah. But uh, they, uh, they sit together and, uh, you know, throw back a drink, alcoholics together like they always should have been. I like, guess. they both seem, like, because the dad's like, oh, I'm glad to see you've come around to my way of thinking. And I'm like, uh, you mean of being a drunken layabout? Right. <laughs> like, Didn't you say his... you wanted better for your son <laughs> than what you had? I don't understand anybody's... I feel like we've gone through the looking glass, <laughs> finally. Or possibly the drinking glass. <laughs> That's true. It's just... It's ridiculous. And I'm very upset with Mir and, you know, old Mir. Right. Here, here. Uh, and here we go. <gasps> That's right. Crystal's mustache. That's right. It's back. Along with Nev Campbell. In mustache form. <laughs> Indeed. 
And even Ismay, who is kind of fun. This Okay, I want to say this about Bruce Ismay. We've watched a lot of filmic adaptations of the Titanic. Indeed. And I feel that there is some sort of, you know, Christopher Nolan prestige-esque factory <laughs> where they are just cranking out identical copies of actors to play Bruce Ismay. I, maybe that's just one of the, you know, required courses in British acting school. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Ismay, 102. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You've got to do Falstaff, Bruce Ismay, and, uh, I don't know, Algernon. That seems like a pretty good prospect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you've got a solid career set for yourself at that pretty point. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but in any case, J.P. Morgan, as we all knew would happen, is perturbed that Muir was fired. He says he values character more than anything in a man, and he feels that Muir has character for some reason. <laughs> it's his eyes. <laughs> His mesmerizing steel blue eyes. That's right. He made the mistake of making eye contact with Muir and has fallen under his spell. Yeah, it's like in The Little Mermaid when the sea witch is singing to Prince Eric and his eyes get all crazy. Yeah. It's like that. It is Only like that. instead of his eyes getting all crazy, it was his mustache. <laughs> it started waving. <laughs> Plankton that had been in there undisturbed for years suddenly floated to the surface and he finally had a good meal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Murray. Murray's the walrus. Oh, that's right. Not J.P. Morgan. Yes. <laughs> but if J.P. Morgan was a sea creature, that's how it would have gone. <laughs> Anna Gunn is heading out for a job interview and walking with Sophia. And Anna Gunn is quite skeptical about... Ah, uh, this Malone fellow. Uh, concur. Right. Listen, I... Rightly so. I rarely agree with Anna Gunn. Yeah. But it has been happening more and more frequently. Right. Therefore, I feel she must be doomed. Yeah, because Sophia's like, oh, well, he wanted to tell me. Just says, oh, wake up, woman. Yeah, and she's super right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. Like, Look, Sophia, you're being a complete dick whistle. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, you got, like, you know... This is a violation of trust that you need to take a little bit seriously. Like, it's fine. Look, I'm even fine with you, like, being okay. Like, he wanted, like, whatever. But, like, yeah, you like know, don't, yeah. don't be like, oh, no, it's all going to be fine. Right. Uh, but regardless, I, I just really like this side of Anna Gunn. Mm-hmm. I want her to let her bitch flag fly. Absolutely. <laughs> we see Kitty riding alongside Saddle in her somewhere in their country estate. And uh, suddenly... It's Liam. Oh, Liam. Oh, Liam. Liam of the uh, fornication-approving Liam. That's right. <laughs> uh, but he leaps out from behind a tree and grabs her horse's reins. She is, you know, startled. He has apparently been fired. Off screen. Off screen for banging the maid. Mm-hmm. Um, consensually. Consensually, to be clear. And he feels that this is unjust. Uh, Kitty does not. She's like, whatever. You deserve to get fired. And he's like, okay. Now we'll see who gets fired because I know stuff about who you banged. And she's like, don't threaten me. Like, hey, rich people, just because you tell poor people not to threaten or follow through on threats against you, that doesn't mean they're not going to do it. Right. And he says all he wants is a few guineas, which, like, you Like, know. don't you just, like, doesn't that horse shit guineas? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, there's probably a whole bunch back in the woods. <laughs> right. <gasps> just steaming piles of horse guineas. 
and and it's it just seems though for Kitty out of character. Mm-hmm. Like I know that she obviously hasn't thought much of Liam. You know, she didn't think much of him walking in on her in flagrante, right. as she accuses him of being caught. Mm-hmm. But, but like, it, come on, you are engaged to Ashley Stokes now. I yeah. mean, you do have something to lose if he's saying, hey, I'm like, literally going to ruin your life. Like, for God's sake, if Mary had been blackmailed like this, you know, about uh, the, the Turkish gentleman, yeah. she would have coughed up the guineas like no problem. She would have been like, okay, great, here's some guineas, yeah. get out of my face. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, the problem with blackmail is that, you know... They can just keep blackmailing you. Right. Well, which is essentially what Richard Carlyle was doing. Right, So that's I guess true. we should consider that fact. That's true. But, you know, there was a variety. That that was, you know, a web of intrigue. It was. And it had Sir Richard Carlyle. Yeah. Well, in any case, I mean, you know, it, it, you can at least negotiate. Be like, how do I know it's not going to keep happening? You know, and be like, listen, you know, maybe it's like. I can't get hired around here anyway. I'll take the guineas and run off somewhere and yeah. find a new job. Like, but she she literally stays on her high horse. Mm-hmm. And great uh, outfit though. Oh, oh yeah, and her skin gorge. Yeah, she she's, is. She's a good looking lady. Yeah. Uh, Connor is leading the Irish Boy Scouts in target oh, practice, so that happens. I hate this so much that's apparently what why they like him because he's military trained i guess so we well, can train look, and them. that's fine and so that makes I, sense but it's but, like guess what this is just taking a, i just don't see this plot line in any way dovetailing with anything else that's going on well right you know we'll see uh at harlan and wolf sophia is working and happens to wander out into the hall where her dresses just keep getting uglier, and uglier. <laughs> they really do uh where ha- it's like any woman mirror touches Starts dressing poorly. <laughs> it's true. Hatton is being a dick to somebody, and then Muir walks down the hallway, and Sophia and Hatton both surprised in their different ways. Did we miss the scene where he was having all of Muir's stuff loaded into boxes? Because that happened. It did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of cackling with glee. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, J.P. Morgan wants Muir's opinion on how concerned they should be about this whole Olympic fiasco or whatever. Uh, He says he has found this opinion increasingly difficult to get from anybody else. (laughs) So, uh, Muir tells him, of course, that he's the only one that can save them. And uh, I thought you had the look of a steel savior about you. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, and that it would cost three hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds to redo the hall. With... Oh, and he calls Ismay Ismay, not even Mister Ismay. It's true. Well, he knows that he's going to be a villain of the future. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> better get used to it now. <laughs> More like Abismay. <laughs> that doesn't even. That's like as bad as Renesmee. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as Renesmee. <laughs> Uh, but more importantly, even than the, the cost is that it would be a delay. Uh, and JP Morgan says they can't go backward. They must go forward. Can you give us an alternative? And Muir unhesitatingly says yes. So Morgan is like, great, you're back on the payroll. Uh, and Lord Carlton splutters and JP Morgan is like, have you been here the whole time? Yeah. Just looks at him. Oh, and it's worth noting that Chris Noth is killing it. I mean, he's doing a 
fantastic job. Yes. Uh, we have seen so little of him. It has been impossible for us to like Gage. Right. But he but, really... You know, does he have the otherworldly, uh, you know, fog of Nev Campbell? No. We are grateful <laughs> for that every day. Right. But he uh, he's doing a great job in a ridiculous role with an insane mustache. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's bringing every bit of verve and vigor of, you know, a steel magnate that he possibly can. Yeah. So, yeah. well played. And speaking of Nev Campbell, she is in this scene, as she was in the last one, both times, for no clear reason. What is her job? She is press relations or whatever. So she's like a ringer? Yeah, she's basically like, well, she's she writes press releases and because of the lax journalist, journalistic ethics gets them published just oh, as normal Oh, so she's articles. like the Luella Parsons of Steel? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she has questions for Muir about the boat and he corrects her that it is in fact a ship. Which I will say, you know what, that really is a real distinction that if you are a journalist that covers the shipmaking industry... You really ought to know that. Well, but you know, J.P. Morgan does seem to like just going around and hiring random people. He does. Like, the fact that Muir actually is, like, the best metallurgist in the world, like, right. fine. Yeah, like, we have no idea what Joanna, like, he just liked the cut of her jib. It's like, you're hired. Yeah. Follow me everywhere. He was like, you seem like you commune with the spirit. <laughs> that could come in handy if the ship that I'm on goes down. <laughs> and I am confined to a watery grave. <laughs> So Muir, back on the payroll and feeling rather full of himself, walks in to confront Hatton uh, because he has been to the Muir cave and found it stripped of all his Muir scopes. (laughs) Uh, And he goes to Hatton and chews him out and says, and I quote, Get my stuff back into my laboratory. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which, if this was a porn parody of Titanic Blood and Steel, would be an excellent line. (laughs) <laughs> but it is, in fact, a bizarre Your line. stuff? Yeah. Like, what about equipment? What about shit? Is right. this stars or is this not stars? Can we not say shit? It's a fair question, actually. What can they do and not do? Nobody knows. No. Nobody's saying, oh, you know, J.P. Morgan reappointed me personally. Be most displeased if I ran out of bronzer. Seriously, <laughs> Muir is so... Muir is so tan. No person in the British Isles is that tan. Right. Uh, not even Sophia, who's Italian. <laughs> That's very true. He is, like, darker complected than her. You're absolutely right. Uh, of course, it doesn't really matter, because all that matters is his piercing blue gaze. That is true. <laughs> Muir is sitting in his abandoned, empty Muir cave, <laughs> <laughs> brooding over his revenge plots or whatever. Um <laughs> I bet his revenge plots are, like, totally boring. <laughs> yes. Uh, when Sophia comes in, much my, much nicer dressed now, somehow, although this is the same work I day. think she had some kind of, like, protective, like, sleeves on, okay. is what I think. That, or, well, like, a smock. Yeah. But still, ugly as hell. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but she's looking nicer now. And they have one of those, like talking like this conversations where they're both looking in different directions uh you know and i was shipping them so hard and now that they're together every scene that they're in is like wah, 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 wah. I'm yeah like, girl he doesn't even like you that much yeah it's a real shame like he's never said anything once about marrying her and yeah. you can tell that's what she wants yeah well because she says when they finally start looking at each other she's like never lie to me again and he's like uh, yeah sure whatever 
uh, which um, is a lie. Right. So she heads out and he stares off into the mirror cave like, I'm definitely going to lie to her. <laughs> <laughs> In the shipyard, uh, they're riveting away. And Michael is uh, sounding out one of his co-workers on his plans to run for parliament. Uh, particularly, it's the, the Protestant on his gang. Uh, the one who is – because what, what happens is is one of the really more militant Protestants walks by and, like, says something, you know, dickish to Michael. And so friendly Protestant guy is like, oh, he's one of those, eh? Uh, so then Michael says that he's thinking about running for parliament, and he would, of course, be running for the Labor Party. And friendly Protestant is like, I don't think I could vote for you. Like, I'm a friendly Protestant, but I'm not that friendly. Yeah, he says you could not vote for, for home rule. And, you know, Michael's disappointed because he, he was really – because, you know, Michael's for home rule, but that's not what he – you know, that's not why he's running for parliament. That's right. not what motivates But he him. can't get around the fact that that is right. a thing and, you know, that's what the conservatives are counting on to right. kind of keep people from uh, demanding that they be treated according to their rights. Mm-hmm. Not as much Simple Jack in this scene as I'd like. <laughs> we had this great theory that what if Simple Jack turned into Jack Dawson? <laughs> and in fact, he's just a master of disguise. <laughs> That's right. He's hiding out from gambling debts for a few years in, in Belfast. <laughs> he's a perfect mimic. <laughs> and a fair hand at drawing, too. <laughs> Uh, so Muir has actually backed up his bold words and come up with an alternative plan for safeguarding the Titanic, which is to raise the bulkheads, the, uh, the internal bulkheads, up to the level of the top deck. And anyone who's watched that scene in Titanic where Thomas Andrews gives Rose and her family a tour of the ship, we know that this is in fact what happened, thereby robbing this entire rest of the episode <laughs> from any sort of dramatic tension. Well, again, the whole series kind of doesn't have much dramatic tension. Oh! <laughs> You know, like, if it turns out at the end that it's an alternate history where, like, the Titanic does fine. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> and, like, Muir gets a knighthood. <laughs> or would he beat Malone? Well, oh, that's that's a fair question. Gets assassinated. It could be a that's whole... That's the weirdest part, though, is, like, even though his, like, dual identity is now common knowledge, like... Everybody still calls him Muir. I mean, which is fine. Yeah. It's just, like, how... I don't understand. How does your life work? It's true. At Carlton Manor... Kitty is heading out uh, somewhere, and Ashley drives up rather abruptly mm-hmm. and flusteredly, uh, and he says, Catherine. He, and I was like, oh, I guess that is her name. Right. <laughs> me too. Uh, but he has, he has heard some troubling rumors, and she's like, so? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, about you and that mirror. And she's like, so? And he says, tell me that it's nonsense. And she says, completely deadpan, okay, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's like, tell me like you mean it. And she just says, oh, grow up. Did you really think I came virginal to the nuptial bower? This is such a great scene. <laughs> I love this scene so much because Ashley is just like totally flummoxed. She yeah. has no idea what to do. Well, because she says that line and he's like, the what? <laughs> he doesn't even know what a nuptial bower is. Oh, he's such an adult. Yeah. But uh, he uh, he drives off in a huff. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's upset with her for not taking this seriously. Right, and she's like, taking things seriously is not really what I do. No, and well, and that's the thing, is that, I mean, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense, you know, because these men clearly don't feel that women have any agency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But like to find this woman who 
continually acts as if she has agency. Right. I mean, it is, you know, it's not her fault that he found out about it, you know, but she could have controlled that situation and was just like, fuck it, no. Right, right. Do what I want. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, but it is, because he ultimately is like, well, no, I didn't think you were a virgin, but... And I mean, you know, the whole point is you can do whatever you want, just don't get caught. Yeah. And she got caught, and mm-hmm. now the word is out. So, much like Marcus Malone, <laughs> indeed, they're not once, so different. The two of them. So once again, the truth ruining people's lives. Exactly. Yes. Speaking of people's lives getting ruined, <laughs> <laughs> back at the Silvestri compound. Yes. <laughs> Violetta, uh, Pietro thinks that Violetta looks like a goddamned whore <laughs> <laughs> because she's wearing a V-neck, long sleeve blouse. Yeah, you know, which is, I mean, you know, I get it. That's you know, Sophia that's the would never wear the, a neckline that low. Yeah, I'll say that much. Yeah, those are the standards of the time. It's you know, hard to imagine that being considered slutty, but you know, it is. Uh, and she's like, whatever. I'm going to the pub. Don't wait up for me. Then immediately falls over. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know what's coming, but I hate it. <laughs> right. Like, I hate this plot line so much right now. In, so, Which is a shame, because I really like both of those actors. Yeah. And even those characters are interesting. Yeah. Well, you're just, as you said, you're just, well, anyway, we'll get, we'll talk about it more. Because now we're at a suffrage meeting. We yeah. do like suffrage we meetings. We love suffrage meetings, and Lady Skunkhead is killing it. Indeed. Although it's hard to tell who she is, for her trademark skunk hair is covered up. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but it is it is indeed her, uh, and she is announcing that she is going to become a criminal, uh, and that she is going to be boycotting the upcoming census. Because if women don't count, neither shall we be counted. It's really badass. Yes, it is. And th- this is the census at which one of the suffragettes, and I should have refreshed my memory as to which one, uh, hid out in Parliament so that on the census she could list her residence as the Houses of Parliament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, lots of badass stuff going on. So all the women in attendance are signing on to, you know, pledge themselves mm-hmm. to boycott the census. And when Sophia gets to the front of the line, Lady Peary, Lady Skunkhead, recognizes her. And it is because she was a pupil at Lady Skunkhead's Academy. Which apparently she had. Which apparently she had, and apparently Sophia went to. Which actually does make sense as to why she has this reasonably, yes. you yes. know. She's not working as a barmaid. She certainly is not. Yeah. And, you know, Lady Skunkhead is, says that she's glad to hear that, but wants to know if maybe she wants more. And she says, well, maybe she does. And so Lady Peary invites her to come by her place sometime. And it is worth noting that for all its shortcomings, this series really passes the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if more than anything we've watched, but it's definitely way up there. It is way up there. I feel like, you know, there's less, there is less talk about getting married. Yeah. That is not a priority for any of these characters. Because, you know, I did say Except that, Andrea. I think, <laughs> well, except for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is what Sophia wants out of Mark, but she hasn't actually verbalized that. Right, so. and it's not the only thing she wants out of her life, Clearly. either. That's, yeah. I mean, as, they don't mention, you know, their respective husband slash suitor or anything. I mean, right, despite the fact that Sophia even works. Mm-hmm. For Lord Peary. Right, right. Lady Peary doesn't say anything about that. Yeah. She does not care. Right, yeah. So, Mirror and Nev Campbell are having dinner. Uh, I guess her name is Joanna, but she's always Nev Campbell to me. It is the ugliest dress. Yeah, it is purple it's, and green. It's like suffrage colors without any of the fun. <laughs> right. It's, 
Yeah, like the suffrage colors, they uh, they stand for a worthy cause. But Whoever they're... did these costumes hates Nev Campbell. Apparently like, so. She like ran over their dog or something. I don't know, but they hate Nev Campbell because she looks terrible in every scene. Right. Uh, she suddenly decides that he is in love because he has that air, which, note, he does not. No. Not at all. He's just talking about how he belongs in Belfast. Right. And I'm like, maybe he's in love with Steel, but he's always been in love with Steel. Right. When she actually kind of points that out, she says that you're in love with something other than a boat. And he's like, ship. And I'm like, oh my god, this is your job, woman. (laughs) Job. Yeah. Uh... So anyway, she starts getting his, uh, you know, friendly quotes out of him, and he says that the uh, the ships are, in theory, unsinkable, and she says, oh, that's brilliant, the unsinkable Mark Muir. And he's like, no, 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 you're thinking of Molly Brown. <laughs> right. My name isn't even Mark Muir. Yeah. All, all of that phrase is false. Yeah. And she tells him that he's a genius, and then she, like, stands up and leaves. Yeah. Even they, though they haven't had dinner yet. Right. They just sat down. <laughs> Maybe she was so excited she had to go pee. <laughs> it could be. Weak bladder. <laughs> Whenever I get a good fake quote. <laughs> uh, so Sophia arrives home and the doctor is just coming out from having checked on Violetta and she is, in fact, with child. Oh, I'm so tired of these reproductive storylines. Right. Like, I- we've already got the Steel Princess. Right. Princess Steel, whatever. Yeah. Right. I'm sick of that. I mean, I think I like this one better only because it gives interest to Pietro and Mrs. McCann, who I'm, I kind of like both of them and see. No, them I do too. But I just, you know, like everyone everywhere. Yeah, I get it. People have sex and then they get pregnant. Right. Like, I got it. <laughs> you know. I was just hoping for something a little more interesting for Violetta. Yeah. You know, I, I like that character. Yeah. I mean, this is a logical sort of progression, I suppose, but it's also just like, come on, seriously? Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, I'm being asked to care about this this late in the series. Right. I don't care about Connor. Right. I do care about Violetta, but it's just too late for these new developments to keep cropping up. Mm-hmm. But they do. So Nev Campbell's talking with Derek Jacoby for no apparent reason. Um, yeah, and they've got a tea laid out, but it just looks like slices of Wonder Bread. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but I'm like, that is the worst tea I've ever seen laid out. I did not notice that. It was no. ridiculous. <laughs> he, he does that in solidarity with the working class. <laughs> yes, I always have a terrible tea. <laughs> Remind me of how poor people are. <laughs> Let me tell you about the liberal candidate. <laughs> She's like, I don't vote here. Or anywhere on this dimension. <laughs> uh, but then Andrews comes in, and Nev Campbell's like, all right, I'll leave. I don't even know why I'm here. And heads No, out. but she's all like, oh, I want to talk to you. You can't hide from me forever. And I'm like, nothing that that character makes any sense right. in the way that Nev Campbell delivers. All of her lines just sound like variations on, I'm Nev Campbell. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and her tone changes. Why but, would he be hiding from her? She's like a tame... It's not like she's an investigative journalist here. No, and he just, you know, he says, I don't have anything to say. And she's like, oh, I doubt that. And I'm like, no, I've seen a lot of scenes with him. He does not have anything to say. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but so she leaves and they both marvel at her great abilities. Her and, confidence. Yeah. And I haven't seen her do anything. Right. 
So it's just odd. Except for like talk to Mark Muir. It's and well not I, have her panties drop. It completely. may just be a writer in Nev Campbell's contract that the other Campbell other characters have to talk about how great her <laughs> character is. <laughs> Andrew strongly pushes Mirror's raise the bulkheads plan, but Piri is not happy about it because it would be kind of blocking the deck and you can't imagine he can't imagine the first class passengers being willing to deal with this obstruction in their area. So at Carlton Manor, uh, Kitty watches Ashley drive away. It's not Ashley. It's uh, oh. his father, Mr. Stokes. Okay. Well, fair enough. I just saw it through the window. But. Uh, so we all understand what's happening here. And she. it's interesting because you see her look like very, I don't know, like frightened perturbed. or per- perturbed. Yeah, and rush for a cigarette. She's ruffled. Yes. Uh, but then her father storms in, and she goes back to her haughty, yeah, you know, haughty, imperturbable mask. Yes. So he's pissed, and she is insouciant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's mad because her engagement is now off, and she is, you know, like, oh well, too bad. I'll have to marry somebody who's not as rich as you. Right. And he blows up at her and says that you know she's done all this damage to his reputation, and it will be impossible to find her a good match in Belfast. Right. She'll be the laughing stock of Belfast. She really does not care that much. Right. But he does, and in particular, he cares because this could affect the upcoming election. Yeah. And he will not allow anything to affect the upcoming election. Uh, her response to this is to take off her very weird-looking engagement ring. Right. That was odd. Uh, but and put it on the table, and that's that. That is that. Well, it is. He says, I will not tolerate anything that affects the outcome of this election. It's like, well, it already happened. Like You're going to have to tolerate it, bro. <laughs> right. And then Mirafia have one of their trademark picnics. And they're like, boy, we sure do manage to find time to just lounge around by ponds all the time. Yeah, boy, I I thought the working class had it rough, but apparently not. <laughs> well, you know, they're middle class. That well, that's true. Um, yeah, I guess. Oh, I mean, I don't really think of Sophia as middle class. She's kind of well, she's got a white collar job. Yeah. But it's a blue-collar family, and she lives in a blue-collar neighborhood. Anyway. Yeah, well, and she does work six days a week, so. Right, right. Uh, but in any case, they're hanging out, and they're all, like, in full outerwear, because it's Northern Ireland, it's cold. Yeah. Um, they're in denial. Yeah. But anyway, Sophia, for some damn reason, decides to ask Mira about Princess Steel. Blech. Um And he uh, he says that, you know, the solicitor struck out. And he's like, I just don't know what to do. And we're like, give up. Abandon this plot line. (laughs) Let your daughter be raised in peace. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But Sophia, sadly, has a plan, which is basically she knows that he knows when she was born and where and that he should be able to go through public records and and track it down. And I don't understand how this, you know, wunderkind of steel did not think (laughs) of it like I that's what I thought the lawyer was supposed to do. Well, right. Like, yeah. What are you paying this asshole for? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm opposed to this entire plan. Right. But it it does seem like, yeah. Yeah. Come on. So then we see Pietro and Mrs. McCann discussing. Or as I like to call her, Mama McCann. Yeah. And, and Pietro's saying, surely Connor will do the right thing. And she says, Connor's never done the right thing a day in his life. And, and I like how much she hates him. Yeah. Like, la- yeah, she's really 
Her, she did not do a good job raising her kids. <laughs> I'm going to just say that. Well, fair enough. I mean, I think she was a single parent. Yeah, like, we, you know, we don't know what happened to Mr. McCann. I mean, Michael's the best of the three. Mm-hmm. And even that, you know, he's going to lose his job in a more dignified way right. than either of his siblings. <laughs> but he is going to lose his job. Yeah. But yeah, she is she is pissed off, and you know Pietro is devastated. I mean, this is a crushing. This is, this is exactly what he thought was going to happen, and it happened. Right. This and, is his nightmare. Well, and we already know that he feels like you know he's let down his late wife, right? Because he hasn't been able to sort of secure a future for their daughters, mm-hmm. or at least a future that makes sense to him, right? And that would right. have made sense to his wife, right? So then Mrs. McCann kind of oddly says that she knows that Connor will want to do the right thing. Does she? Right. You just said I that he never had. I think she's trying to make Pietro no, happy. No, I know. That, that is what she's doing. Um, but she says that she hasn't heard a word from Connor, mm-hmm. you know, since he ran off. Yeah. So she can't, you know, she'd love to try to talk him into it, but she has no idea where he is or if she'll ever see him again. Oh, I hope we never see him again. <laughs> Please let us never see him again. We're going to see him again. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, Lord Carlton in his study. Nice sweater, idiot. <laughs> right, is wearing a very dumb sweater. Yeah, it's uh, this. It's it's like a hipster fisherman sweater. Like I don't even understand where he got that sweater. Right, it's so ugly. It's it's pretty ugly. But he is on the phone with some newspaper editor, keeping his scandal out of the paper. Yeah. Uh, next, we get a little Murphia afterglow. Again. They certainly seem to have plenty of time for doing it without any repercussions. In daylight hours. Yeah. We barely have time to do it in daylight hours. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and we're privileged white people. Yeah. I don't know. And we live together. (laughs) Right. In a very sexually permissive time and area of the country. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Um... But anyway, they, they've made it happen. They're just, they're like billing Harlan and Wolf for this. <laughs> He's like, she's my steel muse. And she's like, I'm a woman. I just do what he tells me. <laughs> right. Uh, but though that's not actually true because they are hiding and she doesn't want to be hiding anymore. And he's like uh, half asleep and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, baby. Yeah, me neither. Oh, and remember how I said I wasn't going to lie to you? I just lied to you right there. Right there. And and she says that it's so important to her that they want the same thing. And I'm like, have you ever discussed what things it is that you want? Because I do not Maybe get that out in the open. Yeah, I mean, I... I I think you both want different stuff. Yeah. I don't think you want the same stuff. I think he just kind of wants to hit that. It seems that way. He's clearly got wandering dick syndrome. And like, since the series started, we know that he used to bang Joanna Yeager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely banged Kitty Carlton. Mm-hmm. Was very little inducement on her part. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, she made the first move, but he didn't. He impregnated a lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dude just likes to fuck, which is yeah. fine. It's just that I feel that that should be made clear. Right. And that Sophia needs to figure it out. Yeah. Like, Anna Gunn's been trying to tell her. <laughs> and... As as established, we now trust Anna Gunn. Uh, yeah, far more, more than anybody else on the show yeah. at this point. Next, the soundtrack plays the discordant brass chord of rebellion. <sighs> I guess we have to see Connor again. Yeah. So the uh, the IRA Boy Scouts, geniuses that they are, did not bother to set up a guard of any kind. <laughs> um, 
Was that part of Connor's military training? Anyway, fortunately, Connor's spidey sense wakes him up, and he he hears... Uh, It's not his spidey sense. It is the truck that rolls up (laughs) onto this farm. That's true. Out in the middle of nowhere. With the barking dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he hears that, which which none of his uh, colleagues do. They're all sound asleep. Presumably drunk. I was I'm just, just gonna, gonna say, say yeah. that. Just, just, just gonna say it. So he he sneaks out, sees that it is soldiers come to arrest them, uh, and they they start to make their getaway. Uh, the soldiers see them at the top of the hill, and they're giving chase. No, the the farmer who lives on the farm, they're going to kill his son. They say. Oh right. And they're like, tell us where they are, and he's like, they're on top of the hill, and they're like, that hill. And yeah. then they start shooting at them. Yeah, just standing there watching you, not running away yet. This is the dumb... Oh. Yeah, so anyway, they're on the run when two of them, the ones that aren't Connor or the old guy, are like, uh, we'd better stay back and hold them off. It's important that the mission be completed. And I'm like, isn't the mission about those weapons? Yeah. Which are still in that barn? Yeah. And which are now going to fall into the hands of your enemies? Right. So it's not clear what the mission is, but... Or why Connor's in charge. Yeah. Um, Right. Also untrue. Although when it's left to Connor and this old guy, Connor first realizes that the only weapons being fired behind them are the British weapons and that the two who were supposed to be holding them off are not shooting back. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, hey, how did they know we were here? And, you know, so they were, you know... As soon as that truck rolled up, I was like, dude, you got moles. Right. They, They had moles... And that's that. And with the, every time the old guy, which happens twice in the scene, is holding a gun, like, and sort of pointing it at people, like, he is so unconvincing. Mm-hmm. Like, if that old guy was holding a gun on me, I'd be like, I can take you. Uh. <laughs> uh, we get a scene of Hatton out on the town doing some stumping for his conservative. He's just standing on a car. Yeah. Uh, which is weird, but yeah. I guess but, I mean, that's I think how that's... primitive stumping works. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, no... Look, Belfast in 4 BC had no mass communication. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who didn't get that, that was a reference to the film Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. A fine film it is. Amir goes to the library, whatever, and gets... Uh, the records of births in Wicklow or whatever. It's July twenty sixth, nineteen o two. Right, but it's not. It, he apparently gets the records for all births, like and it's ever. Like, like shouldn't you just get the book for the county that Wicklow is in? Right, like because this cart rolls up with like twelve gigantic books on it, and then like there's probably a whole bunch of places and books that you can rule out at this point. Right, so it's, stupid. Yeah, just really weird. Yeah. <laughs> but when he sees the cart full of books, he makes the same face that we make when we see how many episodes of this show are left. <laughs> Boom. Uh, so McCann is making his case for the Labor Party in the same sort of – it's the same place where he'd been having sort of strike – um, yeah. exhortations. That's just sort of this cavernous space somewhere in the shipyard. The rivet room. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, simple Jack is sold. He's he's ready to vote. Well, for he's labor. simple. Yeah, right. Look, he was gonna vote for the first person that got to his simple mind, and make <laughs> no mistake. Yeah, and and it was Michael. Uh, but friendly Protestant guy is like, so what are your feelings on home rule? Because he's you know 
Michael has not mentioned home rule in his whole speech. And Prozant guy's like, but you're for home rule, right? And he's like, yeah, we make no secret of that, but it's just part of a fair deal for everyone. And then friendly Prozant guy says my favorite thing anybody said. He's like, home rule is Rome rule. Home rule is Rome rule. And I'm like, that is catchy. That is. No, I can see why it took so long. <laughs> For Ireland in general to get home rule, <laughs> and why they still haven't got it in Belfast. Yeah, like man, that's catchy. It is. It is pretty solid. Super catchy. <laughs> yeah. Well played, Protestants. Yeah. But I. I mean, I enjoy this whole thing. I just. I like Michael's speeches and and just sort of. No, his... I mean, look. If we didn't have Connor happening, which mm-hmm. even that is part of like the whole home rule debate, right? I'm not uninterested in the IRA. It's well, just that it doesn't. And here's kind of my thing about it, too. I don't like the way this is, and this is a weird thing to say because I'm not a violent person, but it's kind of stacking the deck against the IRA, this show, in that the bad brother is running off to join the rebels and the good brother is striving for nonviolent mm-hmm. resistance. When, in fact, if Ireland had not risen up militarily with violence mm-hmm. and guns, they would not have gotten their independence. That's they, interesting because I don't feel like they're judging him for doing that. I mean, I think it's positive that he's doing it. I just don't see how it ties into this show. Well, I mean, I you know, it's just to me the fact that he's the bad kid that's never done the right thing a day in his life and won't call his mother and knocked up this girl and all this sort of thing. Like, to me, I just think that this is... Uh, that's how I feel I about know. it. That but maybe like the I'm, kind of person that, you know takes part in a violent revolution like he's clearly somebody who doesn't really think about the long-term consequences of his actions Mm -hmm. you know whatever they are right uh that makes you a perfect candidate for you know somebody who might have to die yeah i don't know i mean i don't i don't think that the show is judging connor as harshly as we are okay oh i mean that's that's a perfectly fair I mean, point I think, of view. you know, the, the, the IRA guys who were stalking him were said it to be sinister, but I think that was supposed to be a misdirect. Right, right. Um, All right. Okay. I mean, he's in the credits, you know, taking that oath. I think, yeah, that's true. I think, you know, it's, All right. an, it's, it's an Irish co-production. Like, I don't think that they're trying to set that up that way. I don't like the plot line that they've given him. Okay. Uh, with these, you know, moles and whatnot. But, you know, I don't think it's setting michael up as the good brother and connor as the bad brother except in the sense that that is what they are right okay like All i don't right. i don't know no, no, i i, I yeah. there's no larger moral judgment happening okay i think i think it's making a solid case that both the uh legislative and military branches were needed okay. to attain home rule okay uh next we see a scene with lady skunkhead and sophia has indeed come by skunkhead manor <laughs> Uh, and they're out in the beautiful grounds having, you know, tea or whatever. And I wish the show was just about them. Yeah. It's, I hate everyone else. Yeah. Um, Except for Anna Gunn can show up sometimes to whine. Oh, right. So she asks Sophia what she wants to do, and she says something to do with design and makes a better case for herself than she did previously when she said, like, things that are pretty but functional or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, You're like, oh, that actually makes sense. Right, right. It's because she didn't have her hair down. <laughs> yeah. She needs it up to think. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and, and Lady Sophia, or Lady Sophia, Lady Skunkhead says that she can get her into, uh, I forget what the name of the institution was. Yeah, but it's I, some college that's admitting women. Right, in London. And that she, you know, she knows the head of it and, and can, can pull her strings. Uh, and Sophia is delighted to hear this. So maybe she doesn't want to get married. Yeah, I don't because know. she really doesn't. She 
she does not appear to be like, oh, but what about Mark at any point, no. even internally in this scene? No. So, so maybe she's come to her senses and she's like, you know what? I don't want to be Princess Steel's stepmother. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I have just this sinking feeling that it's going to be torn between Muir and, you know, college and that. You know, though, I... I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not certain. I think that I, it's show, totally plausible that I'm wrong about that. might have her go to college. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Muir certainly isn't defined by his relationships. Right. And uh, yeah, she I hasn't mean, been either. I mean, she I turned could, down Andrea. I could totally see that happening. I'm just concerned. I understand your concern. Yeah. There's five episodes left. <laughs> right. Which is a hell of a lot of episodes. <laughs> uh, so Mir's talking with his dad. I assume they're at a bar, but I don't remember. Um, Probably. <laughs> like, where else would dad be? Right. And he is, he's, his research has been successful. He has, it nar- he has narrowed it down to one Ailish O'Connell. Which, was that Shaban's last name? No. So where did the O'Connell even I come don't know. from? Uh, but anyway, that was the only... I assume that was her adoptive name. Well, but... I don't know, man. Yeah, because he was just going through birth records. I don't know. In any case. I'm not the, you know, county recorder. Right. (laughs) This relationship is under false pretenses, then. Sorry, dude. I I said what I had to say. I was counting on you for your county recorder connections. Well, and I said I wouldn't lie to you anymore. (laughs) Shouldn't have believed me, should you? (laughs) Joke's on me. (laughs) Steal! How much steel could a steel baby steal if a steel baby could steal steel? Uh, you wouldn't think very much. I know. They have weak arms. Yeah. Babies. And really not very good control of their nervous system. <laughs> it's one of their defining characteristics, really. <laughs> Dad urges Muir to exercise caution and maybe not ruin, ruin this baby's yeah. life. Muir's um, like, nope. Right. And that's, Life ruining. That's what I do. I did it to Siobhan. <laughs> I'm doing it to Sophia. Now I'm doing it to this Ayla O'Connell. That's right. Also, I'm giving her a new name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess the cycle of alcoholism is going to continue with this family. Welcome to Ireland. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um... Yeah, however, Dad says that he has interfered enough. So, has he? Dad has not seemed to have asserted himself at all. Like, when were you interfering? During the ten years in which you had no contact whatsoever (laughs) with your son? Like, You mean when you bought him that drink? Like, what are you talking (laughs) about? How drunk are you right now? Yeah. Although, to be fair, he also says that he knows that Mark's going to do what he wants anyway. Which Which is a better point. Which is true, yeah. And that's where this episode ends. Yep. And oh my god, there's so many episodes left. <laughs> there are. It's like not even about the ship anymore, man. Yeah. Remember when it was about the Titanic? <laughs> yeah, and rivets. Uh-huh. I miss those rivets. Yeah. I do always like watching them rivet. That's true. I actually do. I really, I wish there was, you know, because, I mean, yeah, the characters we know are all on the riveting team, so fine, that's all we see. But I'd kind of like to see, you know, like electrical stuff or yeah, like just some man, other construction other yeah i don't need all these babies crawling right. around in the rivets <laughs> making trouble it's true that is definitely a hazard yeah don't mix babies and rivets <laughs> don't do it no all right
right. Well, uh, we'll let you know what we're going to do. Right. Titanic Blood and Steel wise. It seems like from your letters and uh, comments on Twitter and Facebook uh, that many of you have already worked your way through mm-hmm. the entire series and are quite upset about it. <laughs> right. Uh, so we are sorry. <laughs> right. Congratulations to those of you who never started. Yeah. You have really been getting, I think, the better end of the deal. <laughs> uh, but until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>